Hi, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, the king of co-op, Steve Kingsley, and his special guest are going to review a game for you and have a related discussion. And without further ado, here's Steve! Quick note from future Steve. Before we start the episode, we did run into some audio problems that we were unable to resolve during this recording. Specifically, Josh's audio seems to have some short skips. Sorry for any difficulties, and I hope you still enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with Mike. Hey, everybody. We've got an exciting special episode for you. We've got the designer of one of my favorite recent games, Josh Van Langingham. Did I get that right, Josh? Uh, yeah, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I added a G near the beginning. But yeah, Josh is the designer of Bullet with a heart after the word uh, from Level 99 Games. It's on Kickstarter right now. Should have about, I guess, about a week by the time this airs on Sunday. About a week left. So Josh, thanks for making time to be with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we get into our conversation with Josh about his background as a gamer and a designer and talking about Bullet specifically, we'd like to thank a few of our Patreon supporters. And I say this every time I'm on here, but... Again, the generosity of our patrons blows me away. And not just your general generosity, but especially in trying times like we have now. Not just trying times uh, psychologically and physically, but also financially. Uh, The fact that so many of you feel that our content is worth supporting and uh, just giving a little bit to, it's amazing. And uh, we really appreciate all of you. We're just thanking three of you today. But uh, thank you to everyone who uh, is a part of our Slack, part of our Discord, uh, watches us on YouTube, uh, listens to the podcast. Uh, Everyone in our little solo and co-op community, we appreciate you deeply. But for this week, I'd like to thank Bracken Rawlings, a co-op fan, Preston Ellsworth, a co-op lover, and Winston Forrest, a co-op MVP. So to those three and all of our fans out there, again, a huge, huge thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. This means a lot to us and really helps because keep the content going. All right, so with uh, those thank yous out of the way, we're going to be talking to Josh. So, Josh, we usually start our interviews off by asking how you kind of got into gaming. Uh, Some people have been gaming all their lives and some people uh, it's a pretty recent phenomenon. So how about you Uh, in terms of uh, any kind of gaming like video gaming or whatever, and then specifically uh, tabletop board games? Right. So as far as video games in general, I've been playing them like my entire life. You know, I grew up Sega Genesis and played a lot of like RPGs like Shining Force and Sonic Hedgehog and whatnot. And as I grew up, I got more into board games. I play a lot of uh, tabletop role games and whatnot. And when I moved up uh, to Albuquerque for college, my house, uh, my roommate uh, introduced me to a gaming group that played Dominion. And so that was kind of my first four into the board industry and from there kind of you know started playing all kinds of stuff and once i got involved with level 99 and shortly afterwards i kind of saw how ridiculous the board industry actually is and i've been playing a ton of stuff since then so it's been quite the ride uh you you named some of my favorites there i was uh i mean i love i love super nintendo now but uh back in the day i was definitely a genesis head and uh, shining force one and two were some of my favorites for sure oh nice nice good to hear so how did you get involved with Level 99 Games, and how did you get involved with game design specifically? So I, when I graduated college uh, years ago at this point, I was looking for a job 
And I remembered that uh, Brad Talton, my boss, the president of mine, he, uh, uh, I basted Mystic Empire with him, which is our uh, role-playing game, our tabletop role-playing game. And so I hit him up, you know, just on a whim to see was hiring, and he happens to be hiring. So I, you know, interviewed, and I guess the interview went well. And I've kind of been working for the company since doing pretty much everything from cost service to graphic design to, you know, making components and, and what. And now I'm the project lead of the company, so I kind of corral everybody to, to get games going, get everything to press and whatnot. Uh, as far as design, you know, that's kind of came along with the job, you know, early on. I've been working for Level 99 for about eight years now, I'd say. And early on, I got to do smaller term designs with uh, producing games like Argent and Millennium and stuff. You know, I would just help design some effects here. Or, But uh, now I'm getting to design like full-fledged things like Bullet or like uh, Millennium. It's Collusion. That's an expansion from Millennium. I got to design that whole thing. So, you know, it's uh, it's come with time, I guess. That's great. What one of your favorite co-ops? Right. So actually, I'm not a really big fan of co-op games. I don't like <laughs> quarterbacking at all. So I haven't had a lot of good co-op experiences much. I The last I remember playing was probably Sentinels of the Multiverse. Okay. Uh, we did that that big dumb boss mode thing that came out fairly recently. <laughs> and that was uh, kind of ridiculous. So Josh, that makes a lot of sense uh, that your background was in uh, development first. Because just like the little bit I've talked with you and just kind of chatted with the people at Level 99 uh, through email... I got the sense that you were kind of a mainstay of the company, but then this was the first one that I was aware of that had been like your main design. So how is it, uh, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but how has it felt different being a, uh, a developer and kind of uh, shepherding and giving ideas for games uh, as opposed to like straight up creating the concept yourself? Um, it's not too much different from previous projects I've and, you know, Level 99 is a really small company. It's about, you know, four or five, like, main staff members and stuff. So when we work on game, we prototype and play and whatnot. We have a lot of input already. You know, Brad really wants to, you know, have everybody on board game, not just him. Uh, but it is nice to have the freedom, you know, to, like, make character designs and commission art and whatnot and just kind of do what. Of course, Brad still, you know, oversees stuff. Uh, but it's it's really nice to kind of just you know break free and do a full project without any kind of stoppers along the way yeah that's awesome man i don't know if steve said but uh I, i'm a game designer along with uh peter that i often do the podcast with so oh nice yeah uh, i've never been on the development side although we've helped some other designers kind of i guess that's sort of development <laughs> like figure out things mm. for their games but that's great so yeah it's fascinating to hear your backstory and how you got into uh, a game design and so let's talk a little bit more about the game design, about Bulletin. So what is the basics of Bullet, and how would you describe this to, to players who've never heard about this game before? So Bullet is a, you know, shoot 'em up board game kind of based off like Toe Project or Space Heroes or Ikaruga, you know, those types of video games. And uh, the gameplay is really, really simple. You know, you're putting these bullets on your board and you're using your actions to kind of manipulate them and you're using your patterns, these configurations of shapes and whatnot of these bullets to remove them from your site. And so it's kind of a quick little press your luck where all these bullets are coming at 
you have to kind of make really important decisions of when you want to stop drawing and try to get rid of some and then continuing and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a lot of a lot of strategy and depth within like a small framework. Now, it's interesting you say, I, I totally see the shoot 'em up connection, and I'm a big fan of shoot 'em ups from back in the day, like Igaruga that you mentioned is one of my favorites with like kind of the light dark mechanic in that. Mm-hmm. But when I've played it, and I've played this game a lot, the thing that it first calls to mind for me, and this is how I've described it a lot to others, is um, it reminds me of a Super Puzzle Fighter Turbo. I don't know if you ever played that one. Right, or, yeah. Um, or like Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, like kind of the at least in the competitive mode, the concept of uh, things are coming down and trying to arrange them, clear them and send them back at you until one of us dies. Y- you know what I mean? Like, do you kind of see the connection to those sorts of games? Oh, too? definitely. You know, it's, it's a puzzle game, you know, from a, from a top or a bottom up perspective. So yeah, I can definitely see the connection to other types of puzzle video games like that. Sure. Steve, do you know any of the games we're talking about? <laughs> I forget what your video <laughs> game background is. It's not nearly as extensive you guys for sure. So I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I, when you said shoot 'em up, I was thinking like first person shooter, but that's definitely not it. But I'm, I am familiar with obviously this genre, just not the terminology of it. So that puts me at the, what are you talking about, Steve? Get off this podcast <laughs> side of it. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah, shoot 'em ups or shmups, like R type is another like famous series uh, back in the day. Yeah, it's where like tons of bullets are coming at you. You're dodging them, often getting like power ups, little orbiting uh units that'll shoot with you all that kind of fun stuff yeah for sure i played i played those games i just didn't wasn't aware of the terminology so (laughs) yes that makes perfect sense here (laughs) so uh josh is that where the initial idea for the game came from well actually i guess that leads into an earlier question i should ask first do you as a designer i I know you this is your first like full lead design that's uh, being published do you as a designer kind of work with mechanics first or are you a theme first guy or do you kind of mix and match? Oh, I'm definitely top down, like theme first, for sure. When I started design, well, it, it definitely it was just a want to make a shoot 'em up board game. Um, there's a couple of, it's on the market already, you know, Kemble's Cascade and Donmaku and yeah. whatnot. But uh, after C was, I really wanted to kind of throw my hat in the ring and see what I could come up with. So yeah, being on One Stop Co-op Shop, we obviously like to focus on cooperative games and solo games, and Bullet kind of spans the gambit of what it can provide. So can you talk a little bit about the different modes? Because I know you can do like competitive, you can do like teams, solo. Can you can you elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So the basic kind of introductory mode is free for all, which is two to four players, and that's the default competitive mode where you're playing and shooting uh, bullets from at other players and trying to survive as long as you can and outlast the others. Uh, but there's also a score attack mode, which is solo, and you kind of play against yourself and see how long you can last, how many turns you go with each different heroine. Uh, there's team mode, which is a four-player, like, 2v2 teams where you can kind of work together to uh, compete against another team. And then there's boss mode, which is the co-op mode, which is probably the coolest of the four, at least thematically where you get to play one to four players against this uh, AI type of boss that kind of sets these different conditions with their patterns and whatnot, and then have all these crazy, like, really mean effects that they can deal to you. Yes, they do. <laughs> so it may be worth kind of pointing out, like, how does the gameplay, if it does, vary between these different types of modes? Um, so there are there are some slight variations between modes, uh, much bigger in certain modes. To, there's, you know, competitive... Of the free for 
mode is pretty straightforward. You know, you're just trying to get as much stuff off your board as you can every turn to survive. Uh, score attack is a pretty different in that, you know, because you're sending bullets to yourself, essentially, you know, the, the more you send, the more you'll draw on the next turn. You have this really interesting balance between I have to send enough to not die next turn, but if I send too much, it's just going to come back to bite me next turn. So it's this really thin and like balancing act that you're doing every turn in uh, score attack there. Uh, teams is kind of like competitive. No, the only difference is you get to you have these team options that you help each other out. So instead of just focusing on your own, or there's a lot of uh, helping your team out and trying to figure out how to optimize play, not just on your board, but what you can do to help your teammate as well. And then in the boss mode, it also kind of uses that team aspect. You have these team actions again; you can help each other out. But it's uh, you're also with this boss that has this ridiculous effect and these pattern config. That you have to keep on your board, otherwise you have all this nasty stuff happen to you. So I would say each mode is a pretty different game experience, uh, but they all still use like the same core mechanics, which is nice. You don't have to relearn a million new things when you play another mode. When you set out to start designing Bullet, did you initially want to go down all these modes, or was this just kind of a natural thing to to come to when you were working some of the designs? Uh, definitely not initially. Uh, the version of Bullet that uh, you all have played so far is version twenty-eight. So, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> and a version a version for level ninety-nine is like a completely different game. So, when we were developing Bullet, we went through like literally twenty-seven different games, like dexterity games and like deck builders, and like we ran the whole gamut. Like, how do we make a shmup in board game form? Uh, so, I definitely initially we were just trying to see, you know can we make this experience interesting and can we make it like true to the source material? And then when we got to 28, uh, the game was 15 minutes long. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, we can't really sell this at the price point too. So we need to do more with this system. And that's when I started exploring, you know, things like the solo mode and the boss mode, not to see how much we, how much gameplay we could, you know, kind of wrench out of this system. And I think uh, I think we got a lot out of it, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, I, I'm personally super glad you all did because I'm a, I'm a pretty big uh, level 99 fanboy. I don't get to talk about this very much because so many of the things you all do is uh, competitive, right? right. But uh, like Exceed, I'm a huge fan of Exceed. I've backed, I think, uh, two of the Kickstarters, Millennium Blades. I've backed at least uh, one or two Kickstarters for that one. <laughs> but you know, pretty much everything has either been completely competitive. Or uh, with some, like, you know, a little bit of solo or co-op uh, added on. Like, I think Millennium Blades had something, and then um, I know, I think Devastation of Indians has... doesn't it right. have like, a little, Devastation like, has, like, a boss mode as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, mm. yeah, this is... I mean, unless I'm forgetting some, this is the first one I remember that you all have actually had on Kickstarter or, like, brought out that is, like, fully available for solo and co-op from the beginning. Am I wrong about that? Am I am I forgetting one of your designs? Um, to my knowledge, that's pretty true. It's definitely one of the first where we've dedicated a lot of manpower to doing uh, a pretty dedicated solo co-op experience. Imperial, our train game that came recently, also has a solo mode as well. Nice. Uh, it has, like, an automata mode. But uh, as far as co-op is concerned, yeah, I think that Battlecon Devastation is the only other game top of my head that has a uh substantial type of co-op mode yeah 
Oh, by the way, if, if you're wondering about the train game you mentioned, that's Imperial, like E-M-P-Y, right? Oh, Not yeah, uh, Imperial, yeah. the old Rondell game. Correct, yeah. <laughs> Imperial spells in Steam. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm super happy, just again, as someone who does solo and co-op and loves level 99, uh, I'm just happy that we could get you all on here. <laughs> well, no, I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm actually really glad how co-op would came out. I was really worried, because a lot of the times when we make additional modes for games, they kind of feel tacked on sometimes. Sure. Um, you know, when we uh, when we made version 28 uh, and the, the current version, and we kind of knew we wanted to do some additional modes of it, we made sure that the system would support it, right? You know, we didn't just make a system and go, okay, how do we throw co-op here? Just make some make some AI cards, whatever. It's the same game, but now there's a <laughs> boss that flips an effect deck every turn and something bad happens to you. Like, that's that's lame. So, you know, we wanted to make sure it was, you know, a really substantial experience. You know, new art, you know, gameplay that was thought out and not just tacked on. So I hope I hope it delivers on that. I mean, if people have seen my uh, review of the Kickstarter that was on our YouTube channel a little while back, I 100% think it does. I mean, I, I'm i backing this game, and I would do so if there was no competitive mode. <laughs> I, think the, Great. I think the solo and co-op is so much fun. And even, even if you took out score attack, like just the boss mode, I think is awesome. Now, actually, uh, I, I do want to mention with boss mode, and this is kind of goes into level 99's, I think, core design, at least from what I've seen of their games. Mm -hmm. I just want to hear you kind of talk about this because, again, I've never been able to have any of y'all on the uh, show before. Pretty much all the level 99 games I've played are very much skill based games where you many of them will have you not only learning a character that you are playing, which a lot of games have, but also really like learning your opponent. Like I'm thinking especially something like Exceed, where, yes, you can, you know, I think somebody has made player aids online of what all the cards are. But if I know what you're capable of, like what speed you can attack at, how much you can move, I could have a major advantage over you. And I've noticed uh, the potential for the same thing in Bullet, not in a bad way. I, I like games that encourage skill growth. But like uh, for the bosses, for example, um, the, uh, what's she called? Uh, fugue or something? The, uh, the, the, the musical Oh, Adelaide's one. boss mode. Yeah, Fugue in D minor. Yeah, yeah, Fugue right. in D minor. She has only five attack cards, and there's one for each color, and you could theoretically, you know, without a ton of effort, memorize exactly what the shapes are for each of her five cards. So is that something that you would say is kind of a core to the philosophy of level 99? Kind of like the ability to learn and grow? Almost like a video game where, like, you learn your fighter in a fighting game, or you learn your, like, you know, class in a... Uh, MOBA, is that something that seems important to you all? Yeah, I would say so. It definitely has, a lot of our games have this kind of easy to learn, hard to master thing where if you, you know, the more you play it, the more you'll get out of each of the systems. Um, you know, if it's, uh, the fighting game uh, thing is a very good analogy, right? You know, if you just want to pick a character and, you know, button mash or, or and play with your friends that, you know, maybe haven't played competitively or not, that's fine and you'll get just as much fun experience out of it but if you want to dedicate the time energy to really grind the game and play it you'll get more out of it right like in exceed you know if you mem it's all attacks or play matchups a lot you'll you know quickly know how to count things or like you said in bullet if you play boss a lot you'll know what patterns you know are coming for the boss and for you too so you can kind of you know bank on things you know when you're playing and whatnot that you might not have in a more casual setting. Same thing too with like looking at other other play bullet too, you know, in if you're not super experienced the system, you're mainly focused on board, but the more you play it, 
the quicker your turns will be. And if you finish quick enough, you have the luxury of getting to kind of see what your opponent's doing to you as well. So you get that kind of little bonus benefit from it. Yeah, I'll echo some of Mike's thoughts too, but I also enjoy these games with low entry, but a high skill where you can feel like you learn and essentially like master a character or a type of play. And so one thing I do notice when playing games of this nature is that sometimes when you have someone who's a veteran who like really has this, I don't know, time investment into his understanding of the game, plays with a matchup of someone who's a beginner who hasn't had that a bit time to really learn the, the nuance of the game. Uh, how have you observed those matchups and are there any ways to mitigate the skill difference where the beginner doesn't feel so set back? It depends on the system a lot. You know, some of our games are, you know, a lot more, you know, I guess gamers type games, you know, things like Argent and Millennium Blades are the kind of thing that you wouldn't bring your like little brother that's never played a board before into. But uh, we definitely try to keep it in mind, you know, uh, in something like Bullet, the game is so quick that if you do play, you know, skilled versus a casual player, the game is over so fast that you can just jump in and play again. And sure. you won't really have time to worry about, like, winning. And something like Exceed, you know, we have the wild swing mechanic. So if you, you know, don't like your hand or you're not sure what to play, you can always throw the top of your deck. And that kind of helps out with these uh, slightly more off-balance matchups as well. And, you know, it's it's kind of reflection of the core systems too like an exceed of 30 life and most attacks do like four-ish damage on average so if you lose out on a couple of attacks it's not like game over instantly right you know you have time to catch up and come back as well and and correct me if i'm wrong josh but for bullet i feel like some characters are much easier to kind of just jump in with than others so couldn't a veteran theoretically play one of the more challenging characters and a beginner like what's what's the one i did in my playthrough the uh girl who kind of looks like she has like a russian-ish kind of oh uh, i swear yeah yeah right. yeah like she, she's super straightforward like she's the one i've been shown to anybody i teach the game to i i think anyone could play her and do reasonably well because her uh her attacks are so straightforward but still really powerful right that's definitely also a thing we do a lot you know is this kind of difficulty thing in bullet and battle call not characters all have difficulties in bullet it's easy and hard and the harder like you said, are much more involved and require more knowledge of, of gameplay to play correctly. Um, there's a couple of characters like uh, Yungja, the the ghost girl. Uh, she's she's so ridiculously like involved that I've heard some new players like look at her and like not even understand how she works correctly. Which you know, part of that's which, on which one is she? What's her core mechanic? Uh, she's the one that has arrows on turns and she pushes. Oh god, the one who like moves her own tokens around. Right, so yeah. she plays like a completely different game than most wins, and a lot of players when they you know get behind the wheel of her character, they kind of try they try to play the game normally, and that doesn't work with her at all. You kind of have to relearn how she plays the game to play her effectively. So we definitely have some some kind of characters like that that are a lot more uh, involved in mechanics that make you kind of turn the game on its head essentially now something you said earlier kind of focusing on the the co-op play again you had mentioned that a veteran will maybe finish going through their bag and like finish using all their energy early energy by the way is like kind of the uh resource you use to mitigate and move around your bullets and do other cool stuff um in co-op 
as you had said already, you have kind of like these team actions and you can help each other out. I can send a bullet to you that you might need, all those kind of things. In your playtesting, have you found that people kind of start out not paying attention to each other? Do some game groups just not cooperate as much as others? Like with a game like this, where it might seem like enough of an intimidating puzzle, how well has the cooperation gone in your playtesting overall? So far, it's been okay. It's it's the kind of thing where a lot of it kind of depends on the boss or depends on which character. Saying, I think when players play boss mode initially, they kind of shrug off the team. Rob's like, oh, we don't need these. We can just play a normal game and it's fine. But something will happen during boss play. It's like, oh, wait, I actually need, you know, a Red Bull or I can't do this pattern. I need help to get this configuration on this boss together. So I think, you know, pretty quickly when you start boss mode, you realize that they're kind of essential. I wouldn't say that the team actions come up like super constantly. You're not you're, like spending half your AP a turn or anything, but when they matter, they're like really important. Uh, unless you're playing, right, Steve? <laughs> yeah, unless I'm playing with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. I think when I taught, uh, I taught Steve and one of our Slack members, Nick, the game, and I think Steve was like every other action. He's like, hey, hey Nick, want me to send you a bullet? Hey, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally into like, oh, cool, I can share stuff. Let's share everything. Well, I mean, Steve, you've talked about this on the podcast before, but every time a game has a supporting character, you're like, ah, that is me. I will heal you. <laughs> yes, I love support. <laughs> so one thing that was kind of interesting about this game was looking at the character selection, and it stands out to me that this is an all-female cast of characters, which is really refreshing to see when we really don't have many games that has all-female casts. So I'm curious, what factors led to this decision? Um, it was mainly source material. So like I mentioned, her bullets kind of based off these different kinds of shoot games, uh, specifically a subgenre of shmup called Cutemups, like Toho Project and Acceleration of Siguri and stuff. Uh, these are shmups that are less about being ships in space and more about being like, you know, girls with all these crazy magical powers and whatnot, kind of shooting the crap out of each other. So it definitely drew inspiration from a lot of those types of games, which is why I kind of went with that all-female cast. Cool. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll say personally, I'm really happy to see it too. I think uh, One Deck Dungeon is the last one I remember that did that. Right, and right, <laughs> they do that. I'm sure you've already, I would imagine, just from what I've seen online, you've already gotten some goofy comments saying the game is sexist. Has that happened yet? Uh, it has. You know, we we have an FAQ Kickstarter actually addressing the all thing and you know that it's it's a source material tension we don't have any intent to like sexual one we actually spend a lot of time when i was designing just initially i spent a lot of time you know researching outfits and whatnot and making sure that everything was you know made made sense with their their cultural hair and whatnot you know every character is kind of from a different country and stuff so i tried to put a lot of time into that you know this, yeah we haven't this, talked about this is not a japan anime game or anything so sure <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we haven't talked about the design, but I, I personally love the character design. And yeah, I'll, I'll say that none of the characters seem, uh, at least to me, uh, you know, everyone can have their own opinion on this kind of thing. But either in their poses or in their attire, like heavily sexualized, like you said, some uh, animes might uh, <laughs> throw in a lot of fan service with that kind of thing. But I didn't really. Yeah, I mean, it is it is an anime art style. That's kind of what we do. We do a lot of anime types of art. So, you know, I can I can see people go, like, oh, it's it's anime. It must be, you know, this type of lewd thing or whatever. But, you know, you can't can't please everyone. Every board game, of course. So. Well, yes. 
one thing that I found interesting was like your choice of how you present the character got me interested in them, just the visual representation. For example, like the uh, one character that's all about triangles and how she almost has like this prism shape to her. It's like, well, what is this about? She looks quite a bit different than the other characters. So that really dove me into a lot of the backstories. Right. And, you know, we tried to put lore uh, in the back of the room. There's like lore sections for all the characters. Um, Level is a very lore focused company. We try to make, you know, these IPs like World of Indians where like Battle Con and Art said, and we try to make these IPs with characters that you'll keep See, right? You know, uh, Bullet is set in an IP as well, and we'll be doing future things in that IP where you might see some of these characters come back and see different kinds of adventures and stuff. So, you know, that's part of the design, was making sure these characters, you know, can develop in the future. No, that's great. I love that. Like, uh, I, I was always <laughs> I was always kind of geeked out when I would see characters in pixel tactics that had been in other level 99 games. So, yeah, that, that kind of stuff is a lot of fun. The cool thing about Bullet is it's, it's set in, like, this, our, it's essentially, what is our space IP now? So in future games and, like, maybe Bullet Expansion, something we can introduce, like, all kinds of crazy alien characters and stuff. And, you know, characters like Ekaloo are trying all their, like, really weird-looking designs and stuff. So are you hoping to expand Bullet, potentially, in the future? Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to th- hope so. Well, um, <laughs> I've actually been doing some some early design work in my spare time for Bullet Expansion, just in case Brad gives me the green light in the future. So uh, there's been a lot of uh, interesting feedback from our players and stuff for what kind of mechanical design they like and what they kind of want to see. So I've been kind of tinkering around with uh, different types of interesting mechanics that didn't quite work out for the base game that I really want to see happen in the expansion. You know, the game system is pretty free firm, so I'm really hoping to be able to do a lot of nut stuff that, like, you know, a character that uses, like, dexterity mechanics or something. You know, something like that would be pretty neat, or like character that interacts somehow with the other heroines while you're playing. So there's some there's some neat stuff coming. I I hope to show you. Off. You kind of uh, <laughs> just speaking as a one designer to another, you kind of boxed yourself in now because every single mechanic you come up with, you have to also figure out how the boss mechanic will work. Exactly, and <laughs> a lot of it's actually a lot easier than you might think. Um, a lot of bosses you might have noticed by now since you've been playing boss mode a lot is they kind of just weaponize their hair in UA. Oh, oh no, no, absolutely. Right. I, I think you've done a lovely job with taking the exact same mechanic. Um, you know, like the uh, the face-down tokens being kind of uh, wilds when you're playing as uh, Adelaide, right? Yeah, and then when you play yeah. against her, she does that to you, which is like a whole different story. When, when she like, destroys you right. with them, gosh, she just rips you apart, in my experience right. at least. <laughs> so it's it's really fun seeing what happens when you, you know literally flip them over and go, okay, what happens so when we weaponize this mechanic as a boss? Is that going to work against heroines? Is this kind of thing going to actually, you know, it's flip, it's down on your board, going to do things? Is anyone going to care? You know, in Adelaide's case, it worked out really well. Uh, some bosses, like uh, Senka's boss, the sniper girl, yeah, she, her mechanic didn't really weaponize super well, so instead to make a super cool sniper battle, which I think came out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Well, there you go, Steve. Maybe in a future expansion of Bullet, you'll be able to uh, play a dexterity game against yourself so that the boss can't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's like flick, flick this bullet token into this circle or you take a damage. <laughs> I'm going to be the worst at that. I'm horrible at dexterity games. So, well, Mike and I have played dexterity games in the past. Oh, no, no, we're, we're, we're both rubbish. Like the other yes. hosts of the podcast are definitely the best at <laughs> dexterity games compared oh, to okay. us. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> Cool. Well, yeah, this is uh, this game has a lot going for it, and I'm just curious from your personal standpoint. I know you said that you're not really a fan of cooperative games so much, but I'm curious, like for Bullet, what's your favorite mode of, to play? I actually, despite my reservation about co-op, I do like boss mode a lot. Um, you know, one of the nice things about boss mode is you can play it solo, so sure. it's a lot of fun to, you know, see how, you know, one player because in in solo mode against boss, you don't have teams you don't have teammates to help you at all. So you're just at the mercy of the boss and to kind of see how each character reacts to the boss mechanic. So it's, it's pretty interesting. I think that, uh, I think that bullets, a lot of, a lot of the things I did with, bullets, so I tried to steer away from things that I didn't like in board games. You know, one of the reasons I'm not a huge co-op is because of quarterbacking, but in bullet co-op, that's kind of the intent, right? It's set up with where you can uh, ask for help in a reasonable manner. You don't have someone just sitting, sure they're going, you know, move this bullet here, use this pattern now, right? <laughs> right? Everyone's so busy focused on thing. You only have really time and energy to ask occasionally. And, you know, it's the team actions are tied to your AP as well. So even if I wanted to sit your shoulder and court you, I only have seven AP to do that with, right? Right. You know, and I still have to focus on my own as well. So if I tried to, you know, do everything for you, I would just get hit by a bunch of stuff. So I think it's a re- I think it's a reasonable amount of, of teamwork you have in, in the co-op modes. And how about, uh, I'm sure this one is kind of like picking a child, but how about uh, characters? Which one do you think is maybe your favorite to play as? Uh, characters that haven't been announced yet in potential expansions. Well, but no, you can't do that. In, Out of the <laughs> eight you can play right now. <laughs> in, in the base game, um, I... Probably say I really like Icefair, the the Russian girl, the gravity girl a lot. Yeah. Uh she is I'm I don't really like super involved mechanics board games. I have I have a lot of analysis paralysis when I play and so I really like just playing Icefair because I just get I just get more stuff and that's it. And I get to completely focus on playing the game. I don't have to wrap my head around like a new mechanic or something. So I definitely like playing as Icefair a lot. As far as like the mechanic I the coolest of these characters, I think that I think that characters like you know the ghost girl, the arrows on her patterns that push things, like she's definitely getting more in the mechanical direction I want to see uh, in future sets. You know these kind of crazy turn the game on its head type of mechanics. Even though it'll break your own mind when you play her, uh, it does cause a lot of <laughs> development problems. You know every every heroine we make, we kind of have like a pair for two to write their unique ability and and so every heroine you know a lot of their a lot of their design concepts like uh like rie you know you mentioned you played ikaruga earlier rie's whole cons was based off ikaruga this polarity mechanic of only oh, being, yeah. being hit by certain colors and so you know you sit down at the table you go okay how do i write ikaruga's gameplay in like three <laughs> sentences while still being within the range of this game right so there's been a couple concepts that have gotten pushed because I just legitimately couldn't figure out how to word, you know, how do you play Pac-Man in Bullet or like how do you play Battleship in Bullet or something (laughs) 
have that. So it's been really interesting to see what what the system can actually handle as far as like writing mechanics. Because it's one, you know, to say, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if a heroine play like a Garuga? And then it's another sit down and go, oh wait, I have to write how that works. Right. You know, I, I think Rie might be my favorite boss right now, just because she terrifies me. <laughs> like She's every really time. Scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh damn, I'm gonna hurt myself again, aren't I? <laughs> She'll be even scared. Actually, I don't think the the table said mod has the art for her yet, but I'll have to send that to you after just a sneak preview of that. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. No, I, yeah, I, I have, I've, I know a lot of the like even the the graphic design for the boards is changing, right? Like everyone's going to have their own unique borders and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we're we've got a little bit more graphic design to do. We got to finish some icons, and yeah, like you said, every hair and kind of has their own corner motifs that will be updated and final. All right. Well, Josh, uh, thanks so much for being here. We just have a few more questions, but our last ones are all from uh, listeners who wrote in. We put it out on our Discord and Slack and Facebook, and we had a few people asking questions. Okay. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll just jump in with the first one. Sure. This is uh, Blurnico from Discord. He asks, and this is focused on competitive, which is, you know, again, not my jam. Uh <laughs> Uh, how have playtesters, uh, mainly in the free-for-all mode, uh, felt about player elimination and the idea that, like, I might be out and have to watch you all finish your game for, like, the next five minutes? It hasn't really been an issue. Um, in most plays of free-for-all, a uh, player loses, like, one round before everyone else does. So you're out for, like, maybe half a minute, like, maybe a minute or two at max. So it's really not that bad. We definitely tried to minimize downtime because of the game player elimination you know nobody likes sitting around for like an hour waiting for us to finish so uh i would say it's it's not much of an issue at all so we have another question from rio on discord and that's talking about the characters specifically so for the heroes and bosses what were the inspirations for the characters um and like each character is a very fun backstory to tie the mechanics like manipulating gravity to object possessions and even to like an origami master so just do you have any like fun stories on how these characters came about? Um, that's actually uh, a fun question. So the characters are the kind of the things that have stuck through every version. Like Ice Fear and Adel, it have been around as characters since version one, and I've kind of just been refining them and their powers and stuff as we've made new version game and as the new versions have required different types of mechanics. Um, as far as development in general. Well, you know, we, we've always known that this type of, like, space IP, and in the base, we wanted to start on Earth and just have a bunch of Earth wins so that when we, we didn't, you know, expand out too quickly, right? Like, the first set doesn't have a ton of aliens and things. So uh, I looked around for a lot of nationalities and uh, countries that we didn't use in Millennium Blades. So Millennium Blades also has, like, a, a multicultural cast of characters, and so I checked countries we didn't use from that and kind of use the, the basis. Some of the characters, um, I just had cool power for and kind of developed uh, characterizations around them. But a lot of times I would just come up with a cool character idea and then give them a power that made sense for like their backstory or how they fit into the world. And that's kind of how you get all these like wacky different types of things from like some, a more traditional power, like gravity manipulation to like some, like, you know, manipulating triangles or paper or whatnot. <laughs> so we definitely to get it get some kind of cool powers out there and not just kind of stereotypical things like you know she shoots fire and can control fire and you know that. <laughs> so yeah we're trying to get interesting with those 
I was really happy to see the origami reference there because I got into that for a while back in the day. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I was nice. like, whoa, sweet. This is pretty cool. I like this theme. So, hey, me too, Steve. I didn't know you were a fellow uh, origami guy. Yeah, I got into it for a while. It was a lot of fun. See, we're all learning stuff here tonight, Josh. <laughs> the more you know. Um, another one from Discord. This is Nick. Uh, he's asking about retail plans. I know most of your big releases uh, make it into retail, at least the online shops. Uh, are we thinking Bullet will have the same kind of release? Uh, yeah, the base, the basic edition, uh, the one without the wooden bullets, will definitely retail. The deluxe edition with the wooden tokens and bullets and what will be available in our online store. So we'll have some overage from the Kickstarter. We'll be selling those copies uh, in our online store exclusively. Uh, but the basic game will be in retail. And we have one final question from Ryan Cullen on Facebook. And so Loving Online mentioned that Seventh Cross was coming soon, but Bullet kind of popped up by surprise. So do you have any word on when the next co-op offering will be coming? Right. So Seventh Cross has uh, been in development. Well, something that a lot of people know is that uh, we, we usually have a bunch of games in development. So Bullet's kind of been in development along the same time that Seventh Cross has. And... Uh, the, the, the long and short of it is basically that Bullet was just ready first. Seventh Cross is a much bigger scope of a game, and uh, we wanted to make sure, had time to make sure to rein it in a bit. You know, the, the scale Seventh Cross got a little bit out of hand, so uh, we're taking a little extra time to make sure we can uh, develop a fun product for everybody. So I can't say about dates or anything yet, but I hope be able to, to show you some more cool stuff before the year is out. That's great, Very man. Cool. Yeah, I, I've been following uh, the design diaries uh, that I, I guess it's uh, Brad has been doing for for years with that one. So right, right. <laughs> whenever whenever y'all get it right, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> cool. If you have if you guys haven't checked out the Bullet Kickstarter yet, just pop over to Kickstarter, type in Bullet, or go to our website level99games.com and you know see what we have to offer. We've got a lot of a lot of cool stuff that you can check out. Yeah, and I will mention, I've said several times that like I've played it and taught it to people. There is an official Tabletop Simulator mod. Right. Uh, Josh had mentioned it too. Uh, so they, I know there's a thread on BGG that kind of sends people, but if they just join your Discord, that's how they can get kind of the uh, the link to subscribe to that on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, right? either through our Discord or you can just go to a Steam Workshop and search for Bullet. Uh, it'll, it's just right on the workshop there. Oh, perfect. So okay. Should be pretty. Yeah. Good. So, uh, so if you're not sure if you'll like it or not, go try it out. Uh, you can watch my playthrough video that's on Tabletop Simulator, so it shouldn't be too unfamiliar. And yeah, I, I think I think you'll love it if you try it. Cool. Well, thanks, Josh, for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, Josh. Have a great night, and to everyone out there, stay safe, be healthy, <laughs> and uh, we'll all get through this together. So, thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you at the next stop. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week with another top five list.